You are now listening to the Fantasy Whisper Podcast with your hosts, Johnny, Game Time Hicks, and Big Travi. Wow, hello and welcome to the Fantasy Whispers Podcast. This is episode 11. That's Big Travi and I'm Johnny Game Time Hicks and we're here to give you that fantasy football fix on this awesome, awesome Tuesday. Travis, how are you feeling, man? How's your Tuesday? My Tuesday is great, Johnny. Just doing some last minute prep for that barbecue action tomorrow. You know what it is. We're going to be grilling brats, burgers, adorning the red, white, and blue, and reminiscing about the land of the free and the home of the brave. But first, (laughs) we've got some business to take care of, Johnny. we got to give these people our 11 through 20 rankings, and I'm pretty psyched about what we've got on the plate for everybody today. Yeah, I'm super pumped about today's episode. We're diving into those meat and bones of the wide receiver class. These are guys that you're going to want to scoop up to make your your you know squad so much better and it gives you that elite opportunity at one of those top wide receivers cuz sure enough one of these guys if not two of these guys will definitely make that jump like DeAndre Hopkins that guy was in this area last year but first I got a question for you Travis all right I was having a pretty good Tuesday it was all right but then I just went to Panda and I had Panda for dinner and now my belly's full of panda. So my question is to you, what is your favorite panda dish? Is it, you, you can't go with the, besides the orange chicken, all right? I get uh, orange chicken, everyone's favorite dish is orange chicken, all right? I'm talking beyond orange chicken here. Well, listen, Big Travi has been known to be a little bougie, if you will. So I go for the premium. Oh, I oh, go for I that like, honey I like walnut shrimp. Ooh, okay. I like me some shrimpies. That's, I like that's, to get the honey walnut shrimp. That's probably my favorite dish. And then I usually couple that with that sweet fire chicken. It's got a little bits of the pineapple in there. It's a little spicy. Both are premium dishes. You got to go after that, though, Johnny. All right. I can feel that. I can feel that. All right. We're going to jump in with a little news and notes first before we get in the show. news and notes from around the NFL. All right, Travis, as always, our notes come from the sleeper boat. All right, we're talking we're talking the Packers, your Packers, man. Some news came out that the second-year running back Aaron Jones bulked up this offseason in an effort to become more durable and better at pass protection, but then the breaking news that came out today was that he might have bulked up a little bit too much and hit himself <laughs> with a suspension without pay for the first two games of the 2018 regular season for violating the NFL policy and programs for substance and abuse. I'm a little, I'm sad about this, man. I was truly hoping that Aaron Jones would be one of those sleeper guys. You know, not many people were sure who the running back was going to be in Green Bay. And when we look at this guy, when you start to break down his stats, I mean, it was pretty impressive what he was doing. And he definitely had that type of, you know, bell cow running back ability. This takes a huge hit. And now I'm not so certain about that. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the breakdown of the the Packers backfield from the three guys that are, you know, worth mentioning, Ty Montgomery was probably your best pass catcher. Okay. Yeah. All the way around, but not a great runner. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, Jamal Williams is your best straight line runner. He's that one cut. He can run up the gut, and he's very good. But Aaron Jones was probably the most well-rounded. He's probably the guy I'm most excited about, probably still most excited. But mm-hmm. I do think that Jamal Williams uh, might see might see his value rise a little bit Yeah, uh, just because this those first two games will give him a, a shot to really take a, the first crack at this job. And they've already said that they'll run the hot hand, but they've also said that it's open to who, whichever guy takes hold of it. So look out for that. I think that this definitely is just a boost for Jamal Williams, though. Okay. And the only other significant news that came out was that the Patriots wide receiver, Julian Edelman, did appeal his suspension, but it got denied. So he will serve his full four-game suspension for the PED violation. Travis... We talked about it. We didn't say that we were going to downgrade Brady based on this before. This just solidifies what we both thought was going to come. And to me, it, it just doesn't. I'm fine with Brady. I, I'm not going to change him in my ranks. But where exactly would you start to think about to draft Julian Edelman? And are you now raising Hogan up a little bit of, of a couple rounds or maybe above a couple other wide receivers because of the absence of the first four games. Yeah, I kind of like Hogan too. His problem has always just been health staying on the field, but Brady did look to Hogan a lot last year. I, I don't know about Edelman just yet. I want to see some more of how they're using the rest of the offense in the preseason and, and such. So I'm, I'm reserving judgment on Edelman and, you know, Mark Ingram. I want to see what comes out of new Orleans camp. Some of these guys that are suspended, I'll reserve a little judgment before I make my bet. And you got to let, what happens in the preseason is you these ADPs kind of fluctuate. I like mm-hmm. to see those level out, see how yeah. that really works before I start making a final call on guys that I'm suspended worth going. But it probably wouldn't be Pat, you know, anywhere before the fifth, sixth round for me, uh, just off face value. All right, Travis. That's all for the news and notes. You ready to jump into it? Let's do this. All right, let's get it. All right, we're starting our wide receiver number 11 with Tyreek the Freak. Travis, are you concerned at all with the new quarterback and his ability to connect on the long bombs with Tyreek Hill this year? Or are you just as confident as ever in the fact that like Tyreek's always been kind of a boomer bust kind of guy who's always ended up as a top wide receiver in fantasy What's your thought process going into this season? I would be concerned if there wasn't if it wasn't Patrick Mahomes pretty much as far as quarterbacks. This guy just seems to these two just seem to be suited for each other. You look at Pat Mahomes and what he's able to do. He is excellently accurate at the deep ball. And you look at Tyreek Hill, you look at last year he racked up 1183 yards on 105 targets. 628 of those yards, Johnny, were on deep ball. So passes thrown 20 yards or more down the field. All eight of his 2017 touchdowns were from depths of 30 yards or more. This guy is a home run hitter. So, yes, you're going to have a couple games where he's not giving you a lot of yards. He could make you pay for it. But as far as excitement and as far as, you know, ceiling goes, this guy can blow the top off of any defense. He was pro football Focus's sixth best wide receiver in yards per route run last year, and he finished his wide receiver five. So give me give me Tyreek Hill. Of all these guys kind of in this area, he's definitely got the huge upside, and he's definitely got that wow factor. 
I mean, yeah, like I mentioned before, he's going to be inconsistent. That's who Tyreek is. He's kind of been inconsistent because you're depending so much on that long ball. But let's not forget last year in the preseason when they just drafted Patrick Mahomes in the second half of one of the games, the very first play that they threw was a Tyreek go, a nine route by Patrick Mahomes, and he hit him right on this money. And he scored a touchdown. Like it was a it was a long bomb touchdown too. Yeah. So I'm okay with with that aspect of it. I know what I'm getting. And five out of the nine routes he runs on the route tree, he is elite in. So you're not only talking about the nine route, but you're talking about other routes within that route tree. And he still excels at that. So he does have a little bit more tricks to his up his sleeve than just that long bomb. But that certainly helps him in the back pocket because the corners will slack off a little bit because they're afraid of that that top speed. Kansas City does have a tough schedule for wide receivers. And what's here's such an interesting stat is that 27% of the TD market share that Kansas City had last year went to Tyreek. However, he had zero 10 zone targets, which means when they're in the 10 yard line towards the end zone, he didn't get any targets. So that's a little bit concerning. But again, if you're getting long bomb touchdowns, you don't really, you'll take those all day of the week and twice on Sunday, you know? So you're looking at a guy who's getting 19% target share of a team that's super elite when it's when you're talking about all the offensive weapons. I really do like Tyreek this year, and I just know what you're drafting when you draft him. He's going to be a little bit more risk, but balance that out with a, a couple of these guys that we're going to talk about a little bit later that are more consistent, and I think you're going to set yourself up with a good wide receiver duo. Yeah, Speaking and, and, oh, I go think making, and I think making sure you, you watch the rapport that's being built between Mahomes yep. and Tyreek Hill this year because – he has as much a shot as anybody to be the number one guy there. That means he could actually move in front of Travis Kelsey for targets in the red zone if Mahomes get, gets a liking for him. So just pay attention to that kind of thing. All right. We're going from a guy who's, you know, super boomer bust to a little bit more sure-handed. That's a guy, Larry Fitzgerald, from my own backyard, from my own love of my heart. Travis, I'll let you kick off Larry Fitzgerald so that way I can try to contain my excitement and my love for Larry. Larry yeah. legend. You know, I got to say it's hard to hate on Larry Fitzgerald. He does everything the right way. He's a true pro. Um, I remember going to a Packers-Cardinals playoff game a couple years ago and watching him just put the dagger in the Packers heart and just having nothing but respect for the guy. And why not? I mean, you look at him three straight seasons with a hundred plus catches in the last two seasons, he's been a wide receiver one in terms of red zone targets. And then you look at Sam Bradford, who's thrown in the ball this year. You look at the way that Fitzgerald runs through the slot. He runs a, a ton of his routes through the slot. And then you look at Bradford's history. I mean, you look with the Rams, he loved Amendola. 81% of his targets were in the slot. You look at Jordan Matthews. He loved him when he was in Philly. 93% in the slot. Stephon Diggs last year, who Bradford had a liking with in, in the brief time that he was in. 63% in the slot. Mm -hmm. So I think that Fitzgerald's set up for success. There's nobody around him. 
and so the volume should be there. And he's had three straight years of at least six touchdowns and a thousand yards. The guy is as sure as you can get, and the lack of depth around him means his volume will be through the roof. What say you about your boy? I mean, Larry, I, if you're watching this, please come <laughs> back for more than just this one year, man. But when I'm talking about fantasy in the last six seasons, this guy has only had less than 100 targets one time. And that was at, he had 96 targets that season. And that was back in 2014 when we went through, I don't even want to talk about those quarterbacks right now. <laughs> they didn't bring any wide receivers in. That's going to scare you away. I mean, I, I do like Mr. Captain Kirk on the outside. However, he's not going to really make a dent in Larry Fitzgerald's targets this year. Sam Bradford best throws are to the short and intermediate routes. Like you were talking about. I love his draft value so much right now. I think that where he's going in drafts, it's an absolute steal. And I think that, you know, we had a comment here. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. Isn't he 40? And I think he's that's a man. A, he's, he's 40. <laughs> he's 40. <laughs> but that just goes to show, like people are going to sleep on him because of his age. But the stats have all pointed toward him being super consistent. So if you can get Larry on your team, I highly advise to do so. Yeah, all I right. mean, if you look at what he said, he said, I never really need to be rejuvenated. I love the competition. I love hearing people say he's 35. He's too old to do this still. So mm. he's talking about you, Chris Hannon, and he's saying yeah. he's coming for it this year. He has no fear about being too old or being – uh, washed up, he puts in the work, and that's what you know you can get. You can still get production from the older guys when they're, you know, workhorses like he is. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on to our next wide receiver. Little glimpse, little whisper on the wall over here. We got T.Y. Hilton. Travis, we've been ramp ramping and raving about T.Y. Hilton and, and just – all of the offseason noise that are going on with the Colts and Andrew Luck. But I got a couple of questions for you, Travis. Okay. Do you have any idea who the number two wide receiver for the Colts is? They picked up Ryan Grant, right? Yeah, exactly. That's my point. <laughs> Ryan Grant is an un was an uh, unrestricted free agent when he was picked up by Washington. Never really showed anything. So you bring him into the Colts. Uh, I'm not saying that he's going to be irrelevant this year. I think any team with Andrew Luck at the helm, it, you know, that wide receiver is going to have some relevance if you're the number two. But when you're looking at T.Y. Hilton, in 2016, he was the number five wide receiver in the league. In the three years prior to last year, I'm going to throw out last year because Andrew Luck wasn't in last year. And he saw 119 or more targets every single year. His height is only 5'9", but don't expect him to get a ton of touchdowns. He's more of a long bomb kind of guy, a lot like Tyreek Hill. But at his current draft value of 3.10, I think he's an absolute steal. I think that you can get him and use him as your wide receiver one if you decide to go running back, running back in your first two rounds. And I would be so content as T.Y. as my number one, as long as Andrew Luck is showing that he's going to be there for this season and he's not showing, you know, any noodle arm syndrome coming back from that, you know, surgery. 
Noodle what, arm what? syndrome. I need to write that down. And yeah. Get for hey, that. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a it's a new thing. I looked it up it's on pre-existing uh, condition. Uh, huh? uh, yeah, I looked it up on the internet on, on <laughs> WebMD. WebMD. Okay. All, All right. right. Well, I think I think you hit a couple points there um, with Ty Hilton. That I mean, we're excited, right? Andrew Luck mm. has a real shot at getting back this year. He's actually throwing a football, so that's a great start. Obviously. You look at T.Y. Hilton in 2016, as you mentioned, he had 1,448 yards that led the NFL in receiving yards. And then, you know, you look at last year, he didn't hit the thousand yard mark. So for me, you know, he's topped 100 targets in each of his years that he's been in the league. So the volume will have to be there because he's never scored more than seven t- touchdowns in a, in a year. Mm-hmm. He, but he's, he's also never finished outside the top 25 as a fantasy wide receiver. Um, I think that the Colts, as you said, we'll have little amount of weapons around him. And so T.Y. should have the volume that he needs to be that number one guy. And so I do like him as a safe play. Definitely like him if you can get him as your second wide receiver, if you want a little wide receiver heavy in the first couple rounds. I just think that he's got all the makings to have a huge bounce back year this year, similar to maybe like a Keenan Allen. His value has dipped a little bit like last year, and we could see the volume do wonders as it did for Keenan Allen last year. Yep. We got a comment here from Matt Podman about Philip Dorsett. Are you concerned about Philip Dorsett eating into any of T.Y. Hilton's targets? No, I think they'll be just kind of secondary. It'll be a battle between Ryan Grant and Dorsett for the secondary targets. I think that as yeah. long as T.Y. and Andrew Luck are on the same starting lineup, we know who you know Luck's going to trust. Yeah. Speaking about trust, this next guy has a lot of trust with his quarterback in Doug Baldwin. Travis, what are you expecting from Doug Baldwin this year? Are you super high on him? Are you thinking that he's going to regress a little bit with that offensive line being so terrible and not a lot of you know options at the wide receiver? So he might get a little bit more double teamed action than he's seen before. Are those concerns to you or is that just noise? No, I mean, those are genuine concerns, Johnny, that he will get double teamed. The only other thing, though, is that there's not much around him. You look at Paul Richardson and Jimmy Graham, they leave. That's a whopping 34% of the target share that's up for grabs now. Mm -hmm. So, yes, he could get doubled, but the volume is going to be there. And he was a a very efficient guy last year, 13.2 yards per reception, had a career high in targets with 125. And I just think that with those guys exiting and him, you know, stepping up and being the tried and true wide receiver there and the you know, only real option for Russell Wilson. He projects to have career numbers yet again and being a hands-down number one option. What about you? Yeah, when it, I have to, I have to, I have a confession, make this little confession corner Tuesday. <laughs> and that's a uh, shout out to my hometown league there, Toltum. Um, I've never been a Doug Baldwin supporter. I should say I have owned him a couple of times, uh, but they were only for a couple of weeks. Then I traded him. Uh, Yet this guy comes out, though, every single year and just balls out the situation. Like you mentioned, it it didn't get it didn't get any worse. And in fact, it got a whole lot better for him. So after his 14 touchdown season a few years ago, where he really started to jump up into those top tier wide receivers, he had a seven TD season and a six TD season. But like you said, with Jimmy Graham now gone and you got Paul Richardson now gone, I expect a lot more backyard football to be played. And I expect, you know, a lot of those long bombs to now be going towards Doug Baldwin. He's going to be the most trusted win- receiver 
for Russell Wilson. So I actually really do like, like him this year. And, and then not only is their offensive line bad, but then that defense, man, it went from Legion of, of boom to Legion of pontoon. And by pontoon, I mean, party bus or party boat, because everyone's going to be having a party on that defense. And they're going to have to throw the ball a lot in order to be in games. And so I see a lot of targets coming from Doug Baldwin. And so, yeah, if I can get a couple of shares of Doug Baldwin this year, I think it'll, it'll pay off for sure. Yeah. I think the value is definitely there for Doug Baldwin. I just, you know, you probably won't have to pay much based on what he could return for you. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Doug Baldwin this year as well. All right. So jumping into our next wide receiver here, a lot of people are going to go crazy because I know that we have a because couple of the Broncos Denver Broncos fans, fans Broncos make up ninety percent of our viewers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Demarius Thomas comes in. Travis, are you a little low on Demarius Thomas though coming in this season? Are yes. you expecting? Are you're not expecting big things from Case Keenum? You think that last year was a fluke or? Um, you're just a little worried about Demarius Thomas and where he's at in his career. Yeah, I just think that we're starting to see the twilight of Demarius Thomas's career. He's had his worst catch rate last year in the last six years with 59.3% and his worst yards per catch uh, in the last six years at 11.4. Before last year, DT hadn't not gained 1,000 yards since 2011, but you just see that he, you know, they didn't have a consistent quarterback play I just don't – are we convinced that Case Keenum wasn't just a flash in the pan? Are we convinced that Case Keenum is an upgraded quarterback? Between the line issues, Keenum's inconsistency it could, should still be questioned, and DT's drop issues, there's some risk here. I think luckily for Thomas, they have a new offensive coordinator in Bill Musgrave. He's known as a friendly player offensive coordinator or a player-friendly offensive coordinator. And, you know, Keenum, if he does – improve and they do work on this offensive line we could see thomas hit the 1000 yard mark again but for me and a lot of these mock drafts demarius thomas is not coming out up at a point in the draft where i feel comfortable drafting him and and getting back on my return or getting a return on that investment i'm gonna actually go the opposite of you on this one travis um when I looked at Demarius Thomas, initially I, I was on the same boat as you, but as I dug a little bit deeper, I mean, you're looking at a guy who still had 128 targets last year with, you know, a trash can throwing him the ball. And <laughs> as I can say that as a Cardinals fan last year, that I would have rather had our quarterbacks throwing than what the Denver Broncos had. And when you look at Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen had 128 targets last year. So he still has that, TD upside for me uh, on this team. He's had eight 10 zone targets last year, and that was the same as DeAndre Hopkins. He's finished as a wide receiver one or two, six out of six years. So that's, I know he's been in the league for eight. I understand, but I'm saying out of the last six years, all six of those years, he's been a wide receiver one or two. He's finished that. He still has it for like, he still has the ability to play the receiver position really well. 20% of his catches were contested catches last year, and he came down with all but two of them. So, yes, he is getting older, but he's evolving his game with his age. I think Demarius Thomas is a solid wide receiver in fantasy. Again, he's not a guy that I want to go and and say that, oh, he's going to be my wide receiver one. 
But certainly if you can, if you can get him as a wide receiver too, I like that value there. Or I mean, I think you're really set if you can get him as a wide receiver three, if he tends to fall that way. I'm not saying Case Keenum is going to be a world beater, but I certainly think that he could be better than what they had last year. And Demarius Thomas was was okay last year. I mean, he was startable in some situations. I certainly like the 128 targets, and I like to see him get over 100 targets again this season. Yeah, I just think that for Case Keenum's style of play, that Emmanuel Sanders is the better value here. Emmanuel Sanders is the guy that Keenum will like to throw to more. I think he'll have the intermediate routes. He'll be the possession guy. And I just think that Demarius Thomas's catch rate is concerning. It keeps dipping. He continues to have the drop problems. So unless we're, you know, hearing out of training camp that Keenum just loves Demarius Thomas and is hitting him all the time on these fade routes and in the end zone, I mean, I got to stick with something that's a little bit safer in that offense that's already going to be a little bit questionable. And for me, that's Emmanuel Sanders. So oh, oh, I just think the value is a little bit better there. Sleeper bot just indicating, oh, Case Keenum loves Demarius Thomas. Whoa. <laughs> that, how funny that that came up right now. No, I'm just kidding. Hashtag not, fake news. Hashtag fake news. All right. What isn't fake news is who we've got next on the wide receiver slate. Travis, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it off here for a second. Can you dig it, dig it, sucker? Sucker. Can you dig it? Travi, I can. I'm a big fan of Stefan Diggs. I said, you know, similar to my take on Thielen last week, I think the fact that Cousins has thrown for 4,000 yards and 25 or more touchdowns in the last three years, Diggs should see an uptick in there in his production. And he had a great year last year, not to mention a healthy Dalvin Cook, which should make the defense honest and continue to keep drives alive for Minnesota. I mean, you're talking about a guy in – Stephon Diggs, that's a polished route runner, and it allows him to get open often. QBs had a NFL second-best passer rating when targeting Diggs last year at 120.4, and he did not have a game last year below four targets. So I just think as a guy that's consistent and gets open, Stephon Diggs should see an uptick and should be on your radar. And for me, you know, we're talking about a guy uh, just last in Demarius Thomas. Give me Stephon Diggs over Demarius Thomas. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely fair. You're looking at Stefan Diggs. This guy is a gifted, gifted athlete. And not only is he a gifted athlete, but he excels on the field. This guy is a red zone catching machine. When, it, when the ball comes his way, he catches 85% of his targets. I know you touched on the, on the Cousins, which guess what? Cousins loves to target guys down the field and down the sideline on toss-up plays, exactly what Stefan Diggs loves to get and loves to run. When you look at that nine route, he he is extremely accurate on running that and catching. He, he did a whopping 70% on that route. So you got to love that. He only had 88 targets last year, but I think that's more to say about Case Keenum than it is about Kirk Cousins. Now, Johnny, if you yes. You're, you've mentioned that nine route twice now. Can you yes. kind of elaborate on that for the listeners? Oh, thank you, Travis. So a nine route, so there it's a route tree, and there are nine routes within that route tree that wide receivers will run, and they're all numbered differently. The nine route is the go route or the straight line route. You just straight up turn on the wheels and the jets, and you just go. And that's, you know, us fantasy players, we love that one because that's, if, if you're playing, you know, NFL blitz, that's, 
the bomb play, you know, so, <laughs> and uh, uh, fantasy players. We love that because that's a, that's a home run hit. If you can, uh, if you can hit on that, we saw that play ran when Minnesota actually beat new Orleans. That's what the walk-off was, was a, just a go route. Well, it, it was a slight variation of the go route. It was a little bit of a, a flag as well as a, a go route, but that's besides the point. Just know that you really, really like to run the nine route and Diggs excels at that. And if you look at the rest of his success route by, by route by Matt Harmon, he does a wonderful piece. Matt Harmon's reception perception, his entire route tree is greener than your mom's Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. I mean, this thing, he is just in the upper echelon of elite wide receivers on all of these categories. So give me Stefan Diggs. I completely agree with you. If I can choose between Diggs and, and DT, I think I'm going to go based on their values right now. I'm going Diggs. And I know that last week we're going to just to touch on last week. We talked about this thing happening between Adam Thielen and Diggs, And we thought the better value was in Diggs. And we also said that Adam Thielen might slide a bit. And I looked at the ADP today and that exactly has happened already. Adam Thielen was going around 309 where Diggs was going right around 401. Continue to see that slide as people start to catch on to Kirk Cousins and what he likes to do and what kind of ways he likes to use his wide receivers. So I definitely love me some, some digs on this year. All right. Another, Oh, you have some dad, Travis. Yeah. I just, you know, wish you wouldn't bring my mom and her Christmas tree <laughs> into this, bro. Like I'm sorry, really I'm sorry. getting to me, man. <laughs> it's right. enough of it. <laughs> it's all right. Christmas will be right around the corner. Okay. <laughs> all right. Speaking of Christmas or what could be Christmas, a guy that I definitely project to be, a possible guy who jumps into that elite status. You know, we talked about in the beginning of the show, a guy that could go into a top three wide receiver slot, at least for me. And that's Josh Gordon. Travis, I got a little, I got a little something for you right here. Okay. Do you I love believe it. in Flash? I do, I do. Flash Gordon or Josh Gordon could be the savior of the Browns office, offense this year, Johnny. He was able to come back to the field after being absent since 2014. And look at the average he had in yards per catch, 18.6 yards. I mean, that's unbelievable after missing almost three years. He posted an average of 22.4 fantasy points per game back in that 2013 season which is still one of the top 20 best wide receiver seasons of all time. You think of Tyrod Taylor, who spent last year being disrespected by the Bills, and then you back it up, and you go 2000, 2000 uh, I'm sorry, 2016 and 2017 saw him post top 15 passer ratings when going 20 more yards down the field. This bodes well for Gordon's deep ball prospects, and we already know that he can be that guy that just goes, uh, similar to some of the guys we've talked about before. I mean. The thing for me is that his upside is undoubtable as a top-tier wide receiver any week, but he also has a chance to be in the cellar due to the usage issues because now all of a sudden the Browns have a stacked lineup with other mouths to feed, and so I just think that he could be a little bit volatile. And But I think that 
if the price is right on Josh Gordon, he could pay off handsomely for you. And I think you just touched on it very well, Travis. It's the price. Make sure you don't, you know, we're talking about Josh Gordon here and being able to make that jump. But I'm already seeing in some mock drafts him going in like the second round or early in the third. And that's way too early for me. I think at that at that price point, you have to have him exceed in order for you to justify that pick. And for me, it's not justified there. But if you can, if he slides to you, you know, in the beginning of the fourth or especially late in the fourth, I really, really do like him there. You're talking about a guy that from week 13 to week 16 of last year, he was wide receiver 25 after, you know, coming off the couch for a year and a half. I mean, he was smoking the doobie and then decided to put it down finally, which is good for him. But, you know, so he was wide receiver 25. The photos, I don't know if you've seen the photos. I mean, they look almost photoshopped. It's it's kind of insane. He looks super jacked. We've seen we've heard a lot of news come out from the Browns media saying, you know, Flash looks crazy athletic back to what he showed before. You know, I buy into it a little bit. I do. You're looking at, you know, they they showed last year that they were willing to give him the targets. They out they averaged 12 targets per game when he came out. So I do like his upside for sure. He definitely has the upside of a wide receiver, you know, top five. However, I don't want to buy into that hype too much and overpay for him. And I think that's what's starting to happen, unfortunately. So I don't know if I will own many shares of Josh Gordon this year, but I certainly will be keeping an eye on him for sure. Yeah, we had a question here from Brett. Yeah, it says, more value if Ty God or Mayfield is declared the starter come week one. And for me, Johnny, I think it's with Tyrod Taylor. Yep, Only because I, we I, don't know about the consistency with Baker yet. Yep. I think that Baker will project to have a great career in the NFL. But Tyrod Taylor, like I spoke on, is an excellent deep ball thrower. And mm -hmm. so that should only help out Flash Gordon here for this. So give me... You know, give me Ty Tyrod to help uh, Josh Gordon's value. And I couldn't agree with you more. Everything that you said was perfect. All right, moving on to the next wide receiver. We got Amari Cooper, who put up a big pooper last year. <laughs> and, man, Travis, do you think he's going to do that again? Or are you projecting he's going to bounce back? A lot of people think he's going to have a bounce back year. I mean, a lot of a lot of hype train. I mean, it's been it's been going, it's been going out of out of yeah out of the Raiders Nation. Are you buying into this, or are the numbers telling you something different? Well, the numbers you could let them scare you a little bit, and for me, I just think that Gruden has said two things to uh, in the off season. One is that he wants to make Cooper the focal point and the headliner of the offense. So for me, I trust Gruden in him saying that. He saw this roster when he took it in. They were okay with Crabtree leaving. They brought in Jordy Nelson to kind of fill that same kind of uh, role. But Cooper is a guy who has been, when he's been good, he's been among the best. Unfortunately, when he's been bad, he's been among the worst. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I do love Gruden, who loves to run the West Coast offense, which should ben benefit Cooper because Cooper has that elite, uh, that elite speed and acceleration. And so you could see a lot of those posts and, and go routes where Cooper's going to be able to get that separation. 
He's been a top-tier route runner at times, too. So if he gets in there and he starts working and Gruden can kind of activate and be that motivator that we know he is, then I trust Cooper to be there. He's a bit of a boomer bust risk, like I was saying. But the the Raiders' talent with the fresh coaching change and the offensive line and Carr being there, I mean, they have all the right pieces to be uh, an immediate bounce-back team, and I think that would be contingent on Cooper. Yeah, I mean, you looked at his first-year targets, he had 118. You looked at his second-year targets, he had 120. And then all of a sudden, he dropped all the way down to 84. I kind of chalked that up to Derek Carr not being 100% healthy. However, the drops is a real concern for me. I watched a little bit of his tape, and I mean, he isn't very good, and he never has been good at going up and grabbing the ball at the main focal point. And so he's not a real contested catch kind of guy. He never has been, even back in in Alabama. But one thing I will say that he is going to be someone I'm going to watch closely in preseason. I think that John Gruden is a smart enough coach. We talked about Adam Thielen uh, uh, last episode and how he struggled a little bit to get off those man coverage, you know, the man press and stuff. So what they did to counter, counter that is they put him in the slot. And then all of a sudden, Adam Thielen had his breakout season last year. Now, if they do that same thing in Oakland, you could be looking at another another bounce-back season of him because now he doesn't have that guy to press him right off the line. He can you know, worry about just catching the ball and then running after the catch. He doesn't have to worry about, all right, I got to jump. I got to you know, f- uh, get this at the highest point. He's not facing really good corners, and they have the offensive weapons to do so. They brought in Martavius Bryant. They brought in Jordy Nelson. Both those guys are a little bit older, but it doesn't matter. They they present speed on the outside, and you have to respect that. So if that happens, then I am surely going to buy into Amari Cooper if they put him in the slot. However, if we see him running the majority of his routes from the outside and maybe have Jordy Nelson in the slot or they have Martavis, uh, yeah, Martavis Bryant in the slot, then I'm going to probably stay away from Amari Cooper this year. Yeah, and I think that you can just kind of watch and see, obviously, like we're talking about, look at preseason, look at the training camp. But if Gruden's talking about him being a focal point, it's hard to make one wide receiver a focal point of an offense and not move him around. I mean, you just look at some of these offenses, like with Antonio Brown and with Odell Beckham Jr., what they have to do is move these guys around in order to get the defense to stay honest. So I, I have all the faith in the world that Gruden can draw up plays to make that happen. All right. Speaking of drawing, drawing up plays to make things happen, our next wide receiver, that's basically his middle name, in Marvin Jones from Detroit. This guy is just known as just being a big play guy, Travis. When you're looking at last year, he did have 100 targets. However, he only had 57 catches on those 100 targets, which is a little bit of a head-scratcher. But we talk about Matthew Stafford and how much he likes to throw. And, well, Marvin Jones had 19% of the target share last season, including 31% of the TD market share, which you got to love. You saw Eric Ebron now go to the Indianapolis Colts. So you have even less, you know, touchdown guys to try to take away those touchdowns. He's not only going to get targets, but he is going to get, maybe that elite wide receiver stat that we've been kind of hoping for. He's been on the verge of it, but, and we've seen it through weeks, 
but he's never really pulled through a whole entire season showing that. Since he came to the Lions in 2016, he has had seven touchdowns and eight touchdowns. I like to see that repeat, maybe even get up to 10 touchdowns. There is Kenny Galladay who could take some red zone looks away. However, over the last two years, he's been a wide receiver one and two, only 32% of the time. So you're talking about a big risk, but a big reward if it pays off again. This is a guy that's going in these late or middle middle rounds that could truly take that big jump. And we could be talking about him as a top 10 wide receiver next year on this very show. Travis, do you agree with those assessments? Are you in on Marvin Jones? Or are you out with the Jones? No, I'm a, I'm a fan of Marvin Jones this year, right about where we have him at the 19th spot. And that could rise depending on a, a couple things that coming out of training camp and into preseason. But I'm glad you mentioned Kenny Galladay, right? Because that's the concern. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hype around Galladay, him being the guy that's going to take over as heir apparent to Megatron and all and all these things that are coming or, out. Or, or Mr. Kenny G, as the ladies like to call him. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> even, even if he takes a little bit of Marvin Jones targets, you look at Ebron. You know, Ebron left, and that's 86 targets up for grabs. Yeah. So you think about the fact that Marvin Jones already had the 100 targets, as you said, and Ebron's going to give up some more of that target share. Last year, Marvin Jones led the league in yards per reception with 18. So it was healthy last year for him. Ninth in receiving yards with 1,101. He also averaged 10 yards per target. So they love to go deep with Marvin Jones. And since drafting Stafford, you know, in the nine years that they've had Stafford, they've been in the top 10 in pass attempts every year. They will throw the football. And, you know, Patricia came in, and yes, he's a defensive-minded coach, but they kept the best-named offensive coordinator in the league, Jim Bob Cooter. Jim Bob Cooter. So you know that they're going to be throwing the ball to Marvin Jones. The, con the continuity's there, I think, with Ebron giving up some targets. Give me some Marvin Jones. This definitely could be a breakout year for him again. And he's 28. So, I, yep. you know, he saved a lot of his legs not being so productive in the beginning of his career. All right. Now we get a we finally get to bring my guy back into this conversation of this show. Johnny, he's been, he's been <laughs> off the show a little bit. Johnny, what do you got over there? I got. What is this? It's called Jeffrey. I mean, bit of this, bit of that. Yeah. Have a look. Have a look at this. Alshon Jeffrey. Who's throwing him the ball again? Your boy, Carson Wentz. That's right. That's right. Alshon Jeffrey is coming in as our wide receiver 20 on today's show. And I'm going to kick this off because he's related to, you know, Travis and I have a whisper bet going on between Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. And I'm, I'm staring down as number one wide receiver here. And Alshon finally played a full season last year, which I love. And he had 111 targets in that season. However, a lot like Marvin Jones, a little bit of a head scratcher is he only caught 56 of them. So I'm a little, I don't know, questioning that. But he does come down with a lot of touchdowns. He had nine last year. He's a big target. He had 20, 21% of his team's target share last season and 24% of the TD market share with Mike Wallace coming into town and another year for Nelson Aguilar. I, and hopefully a healthy Carson Wentz, my fingers are crossed. I think it'll be hard for teams to double team him. And I look for his TDs to take a slight hit 
I don't expect nine. I could expect about seven, but I do expect his his yardage to go up. I think his targets might come down a little bit, but you're talking about a guy who only had 56 catches last year. If he can improve on that to let's say 80 catches, which is pretty reasonable on a hundred, 105 targets. I really like the outcome for Alshon. Now don't get me wrong. I don't think Alshon will finish as a top wide receiver, but I think right where we have him is pretty solid or where he finished last year. And that was wide receiver 15. Travis, go ahead and give us your feedback on Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, I mean, the the computer just couldn't handle all the love, man. Anyway, so uh, what I've got going here is for me that, you know, Alshon Jeffrey took a chance last year and wanted to be paid handsomely in free agency. It didn't work out too well. He signed the one year deal to bet on himself with Philly. So therefore, they paid him off. I mean, they gave him a four year deal after a third of the season. You know, Johnny touched on the fact that the catches are not there, but I think that's because he had the league's worst amount of separation on completions with 1.8 yards. So you wonder if that's sustainable or the reason for the small amount of receptions. He has finished as a top 15 wide receiver in standard scoring for three of the last five years, and his size and strength should continue his high touchdown upside. So my only concern is he's coming off a rotator cuff surgery this offseason, so be sure to monitor that as he returns. But I think for the most part, as long as he's back in time, he should continue as the number one downfield threat in a very well-rounded, high-producing Eagles offense. So I think the the value is there for where he's going right now. Yep, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that his value is definitely excellent and – I think he, he he's definitely going to be a guy that I might target in in several leagues, knowing that he has the ability to be a very solid. Well, I shouldn't say very solid because he's hit or miss, but I do expect him to be a wide receiver too going into this season. All right, Travis, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys so much for joining us and staying tuned while we had a little bit of technical difficulty. Make sure you check out our YouTube page. Go like our Facebook page and subscribe to it as well as subscribe to YouTube and get our latest show and podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Just search the Fantasy Whispers podcast or go to thefantasywhispers.com. Until next time, I'm Johnny Game Time Hicks, and that's Big Travi, and we're out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.